Amen. You may take your seats. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time as we share your word. I pray, Father, none of me but all of you. I pray that you will think to my mind, speak to my lips. Pray for supernatural divine utterance that I may boldly make known the mysteries of the gospel. I thank you for your people. I thank you for your men um, that you're raising up to be fathers, future fathers. Lord, I pray, Father, that you'll grant unto everyone here the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what is the immeasurable greatness of your power towards them who believe. I thank you, Father, for the great things that you have wrought for us, done for us in Christ Jesus. Father, we, um, we take our place in your, in, you, in your son today, Father. Oh, Lord, I thank you that it's in him that we live and move and have our being. I thank you, Father, that he is the strength of our lives. I thank you, Father, that he is the foundation, he's the cornerstone in which um, you're building a temple for yourself, Father. We are your temple, we are your people, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, Father, called out of darkness. And we thank you, we honor you, and we show forth your praise in Jesus' name. So everybody just take a moment to just lift up your hands and thank the Lord for being your father. Just take a couple moments. Lord, we do thank you for being our father. For you are the father of all fathers. You are what it is to be a father, Father. And we thank you for being our father. Father God, we thank you. Our spirit cries out, Abba, Father. And Father, I thank you, Father. For, for just sin fit to engraft us into your olive tree, Father, that we are part of your family and your kingdom. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen and amen. So today we're going to talk about building a godly legacy. In light of Father's Day, um, we have um, um, future fathers here. And so um, some are closer than others. <laughs> and um, so we want to <laughs> salute you all. And um, as we go into the scriptures to find out what the Bible has to say about leaving, building a godly legacy. All right. So happy Father's Day to all the fathers and future fathers. Um, the calling of a father, it requires the grace, the wisdom, and the anointing of God. It's a little echo here. Um, it's a high calling in Christ Jesus to raise a family in the faith. How I many you know that? That it's, it's a high calling. It's not a low calling. Some people look at it, oh, let me just get behind the pulpit. Let me, you know, let me be on television. But it's really a high calling in, in Christ Jesus to raise a family in the faith. Anyone can make a baby, but not everyone can be a father. Um, if a man does not manage his own house, he's disqualified from even leading in the church. Um, he can't be a bishop. He can't be an overseer, a pastor, an elder. Um, God requires you first to lead at your house, then in the church. 
Some people want to lead in the church and then at the house. <laughs> so we got to be careful over that. Um, God takes the calling of a pastor seriously. It's not a light thing. It's a serious thing. We're going to see some scriptures in a, uh, in, the, um, in, the, in a minute. Future fathers should be crying out for wisdom now, preparing for the future kids that they will raise. Um, so today I want to talk about building a godly legacy for your children. Amen. Well, one of the purposes for marriage um, is to have children. That's one of the purposes. Uh, Malachi talks about that, um, to raise up godly seed, you know. And, and um, as I mentioned before, uh, Muslims in the Middle East, they're actually having lots and lots of kids for the sake of passing their faith down to the next generation. Whereas some Christians in the West, we're having less and less kids. <laughs> All right, so before we get started, I, I, I want to talk about some statistics <laughs> around about fatherless homes. 63% um, of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. So 63%. So that's five times the average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. That's 32 times the average. So 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% um, of all children who show behavior disorders come from this fatherless home. That's 20 times the average. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. That's 14 times the average. 71% um, of all high school dropouts come from fatherless home. 71%. So that's nine times the average. So fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of high school. Children with fathers who are involved, notice I say who are involved, because there's some fathers who are there but they're not involved, um, are 40% less likely to repeat a grade in school. Children with fathers who are involved are 70% less likely to drop out of school. Children with fathers who are involved are more likely to get A's in school. <laughs> Some of y'all don't, you know, may not qualify. The, how many of y'all got straight A's? <laughs> All right. Your father was involved, right? Um, <laughs> 75% of all adolescent um, uh, patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes, 10 times the average. 70% of youths in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. 70%. So that means 70% 75, of young people who, are, um, who didn't have a father in their home are in some kind of uh, prison or institution. 85% of all youths in prison come from fatherless home, 85%. I think our president has been talking about this quite a bit, about fathers taking their place and no excuses. How many are familiar with his speeches along those lines? Um, so that's 20 times the average. And it, could go, it goes on and on and on. So I'm going to give you six aspects of a calling of a father. Six aspects. And then we're going to actually go into 12 keys to building a godly legacy for your children. All right? So here we go. Here are the six aspects. Number one, 
A father should be a visionary. A visionary. Where there is no vision, the people perish. So you got to have a vision for your life. You got to know where you're going. That doesn't have, doesn't, you don't necessarily have to have all the details, but you should have a vision. Any woman who's trying to get married should marry somebody with a vision. They can be poor, but as long as they have a vision, they're going to go somewhere. They won't always be poor. Dr. Miles Moreau talked about a young man. He was really poor, and he, but he had a vision. So his wife married him. His girlfriend married him. And he became a multimillionaire because of his vision. So vision will cause provision to come your way. So you got to have a vision. Be a visionary. So the calling of a father should, have a, should, should be a vision. Is, is is to be a visionary, a visionary for his family, a visionary for his life, for where he's going, should know exactly what he wants to do. It should not be all over the place. You know, they should have kind of something focused. They know who they are in Christ. They know they have a vision of God's glory, so they're doing everything for the glory of God. Uh, They're raising their kids with the glory of God in mind. That's a vision. They have a vision for their kids to be saved. Um, they have a vision for um, their community to be blessed by their family, ha- having a, been a model for other families to follow. So that spills over to the second aspect is the leader. Um, the calling of a father is to be a leader. Um, fathers are called to be leaders. We have a society that, um, that kind of puts down almost now, um, you know, let, let's, let's, we both are leaders, but you really only can have one leader. Um, if you look at throughout the scriptures, you only see God leading through, you know, one or maybe a couple, but not congregationally. It, it wasn't like they voted. You know, you look at Moses. Moses heard from God. He led the people. But then there was a time when the people got together and decided to, 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 be, to run things. And guess what? The vote was to praise and worship a golden calf. You know, so, um, so as, a, as fathers, a future fathers, you should be a leader. First, you got to lead yourself, then you lead your family. So people want to lead their family and lead themselves later. later. But we, we are called to lead ourselves, self-leadership. Then we can lead our families. Amen. Then the teacher. Every father's called to be a teacher. Not necessarily a teacher in, in what we consider the five-fold ministry or a teacher in high school, but a teacher to teach his children. As the scripture we read today earlier, Deuteronomy chapter 6, we see that the fathers are supposed to instruct their children and even their grandchildren the things of God. This is how the faith is passed. Um, some people are assuming that their children are going to be saved because they come to church. But it, it takes intentionality. You have to sit down with your children and teach them. So the aspect of a father, the calling of a father is to teach. Um, Having the ability to teach. God graces men to teach and lead their homes in the way that they should go. Um, Some people, some parents leave it up, some fathers leave it up to the youth pastor or the senior pastor or the the mentor. But we, we cannot be sloppy about this. We have to be intentional. Let's sit down with our children and let's teach them the things of God. Some of this is not going to apply to you right away, but in the future. Keep this in mind. I'm responsible for the soul of my children, not the pastor. You know, um, and I think youth ministry will be more effective 
if the parents were involved in the lives of their children. You cannot undo um, 15 years of sin in a 45-minute message. It takes, God gives us 18 years to model the gospel, to preach the gospel. So we have 18 precious years to make an impression so strong on our children that they grow up and they remember that. Even if they choose to walk away, they'll remember that God is real in the gospel and what God did for us in Christ. Amen. Um, the, another calling of, of, of a father is the, to be a cultivator, to cultivate um, things. You think about a farmer, the one, a person who goes and cultivates the ground. And so we, as fathers, we're called to cultivate our, the children's hearts. We're called to um, cause their hearts to, to be softened to the things of God. Um, cultivate gifts, being a, having the ability to see gifts in our children at a young age. Um, teaching our sons specifically, and as well as our daughters, um, to, um, to be self-sufficient, to not be codependent, only dependent upon God, but self-confident. Are you with me? Um, our children should grow up with a low self-esteem. They should know who they are. They should know that they're sinners, but they should know that they have the ability to do whatever God called them to do. So that is the calling of every father, is to cultivate gifts, the gifts that God has given their children. Our children are not to be little mini-us but they to represent God. We're to be God to them or represent God, God's representation to them. So we need to cultivate the gifts that are within them. Encourage them. If some, some of our children may be called to academia, so we encourage them that way. Some of our children may be called to music and sports. We, we cultivate that. We encourage that. So that, that's going to require the father to pray, to seek God, to spend time with the children to see these gifts in them so that we can cultivate those gifts and encourage those gifts and promote those gifts and understand how they are how they learn because every child learns differently you know some children learn from just you know like a board and, and you're teaching that way some children learn more like interaction so you have to learn the style the learning styles of your children some people don't even know their own learning styles so you need to take some time to see how you learn so, so, some, so, so you can't, it's not a cookie cutter thing for each child. I mean, it's not like, okay, this is the way I'm going to run and deal, deal with every child. You're going to have to deal with every child differently. And you're just going to take the wisdom of God to cultivate. Every child is not called, you know, in a pastor's house, every child is not called to be a pastor right. or a preacher. So you can't promote that. You got to let God do that. If God places that in that child, then you encourage it. But you don't put your, you don't sacrifice your child for your namesake. That's right. Amen. Um, we got to be, and, and just another note on that: if your child is gifted with music and, and sports, you don't want to sacrifice your child for their gifts either. That's right. And we've seen the world do that through the Jacksons. Um, you, you see, little children, um, they they grow up, but they're not developed as mature men and women. Because their children, their, their parents promoted them or sacrificed them to have this lifestyle. You don't want to do that either. So a, a wise father will see and what, know what to do. Because um, being on television and, and being out in the public, 
that's a lot to handle, even for, for adults. We can look at adults and how they just crash. You know, so we got to be careful not sacrificing our kids to the world for the sake of have building their future. Um, a father is a, um, another calling of a father is to be a provider. It's to be a provider. Um, fathers are called to be breadwinners. Now, we know that in today's society that it takes, most of us, it takes two um, income homes, uh, two incomes to come into the house. But the father should be the provider. The father should not be home chilling unless he's working from home. (laughs) He should be be home and uh, watching um, uh, Murray all day while the the mom is out working and causing, you know, you know what I'm saying. I'm not downing anybody who can't find a job in this society, I mean, this um, this, this market we are in. But we want to not represent God that way because we represent God to our sons and if our sons see that then our sons will grow up to want to do that uh, or and our daughters want to marry a man who stays home and while they work so you want to kind of be watch out for that so you want to so men are called to be providers if you look in the garden before God ever called Eve the man had a job he had a place to stay. Are you with me? <laughs> he, he, he had the image of God. He had knowledge. He named all the animals. He was smart. He was intelligent. So, so you know, women are trying to, you know, marry dummies, you know. Um, you want to marry somebody who's intelligent, someone who's going somewhere, who's, who's, who's providing already. So when the woman came on the scene, everything was already provided for her. And I think that's a model for every man to, ascri- to try to strive for. Amen. You may not get it all the way, but at least strive for it. Right. Say, hey, I, I want to have a place. I want to I be able to provide. I want to protect. And we see where Adam failed because he didn't protect his wife from the serpent. So that brings me to the last aspect of the calling of a father is um, to be a protector. We have to protect our our wives and our children from the enemy. That means that we're responsible for what comes into our household. Um, be careful of what's on the television. Be careful of the influence. You know, if a kid goes off to daycare or school, we got to make sure that we know who's influencing our children. So that's part of the calling of a father is to be a protector. It's to protect our children from the enemy. Don't allow someone to have more influence on your children than you do. Are you with me? Parents are supposed to have the most influence on their children than anybody else. And so you got to protect that. You know, we're not called to be our children's friends, but we're called to be um, their protection. Amen. So these six aspects of a, father, a father's calling are connected to the purpose of a man. Men are the foundations of homes, churches, and communities, and even the world. James Brown got it right. It's a man's world. <laughs> As men go, so does the world. That's an old saying, but it's true. So God designed it this way. It is important that for men to take their rightful place. When men are in their places, 
Women can be in their places. And children can experience and see the glory of God. We have a lot of single parents. So we got women who are taking on the road, not because they want to, but they have to. And thank God for those women who, who um, have enough wisdom not to abandon their children, but to take their place and do what is necessary. But the way that God designed it is for the man to be the head of the house and for the woman um, to submit to the head even as the church submits to Christ. And the man is called to love the wife as Christ loves the church. And the children are to experience and encounter the glory of God through this model. You know, your child should see, as some of y'all get married in the future, your children should see you kissing your wives. They should not see the first kiss through a television, but they should see it as natural between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. Amen. <laughs> so um, sin has destroyed the family. You know, we have people having children out of wedlock. And so therefore, the father, there, there's no father. The father may be there and the father may not be there. And so sin has destroyed that. We have men stepping outside of the marriage covenant and having sex with someone else outside of that covenant and having children. So you have stepchildren, have brothers and have sisters. This is not what God's called. This is not what God designed it to be. God never designed that because it affects and destroys families. So men are the foundations of the human family. God laid the foundation. He, he, God allowed men to be that foundation. Fathers are the source of their children. Children receive their identity from their fathers. They're able to know who they are. They get affirmation from their fathers. So let me give you 12 keys. I do have scriptures. <laughs> it sounds like a, little, a nice positive um, um, speech, motivational speech, but it, I do have some children, some, children, some, <laughs> some scriptures for you. So 12 keys of building a godly legacy for your children. A legacy is what you leave for your children. Um, some people have um, left behind a negative legacy, a legacy of poverty, a legacy of unbelief, a legacy of divorce, a legacy of adultery. And the list goes on and on. Those are negative legacies. We, we don't want to leave that behind. If you're going to leave a legacy, let it be said that you left a godly legacy. So before you can leave a godly legacy, you yourself must be godly. You must pursue God with all your heart, with all your mind and all your soul and all that is within you. You must live according to the commandments and have faith in the Savior. Whatever legacy you leave behind is a legacy you will be remembered for. Let's go to a scripture called Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. And we got to say amen. Man, this is some good teaching. <laughs> Building a godly legacy. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 7. It says, the memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. You see that scripture? So those who are just, 
those who are righteous, those who have been washed in the blood of Jesus, and those who are living godly, their memory is going to be blessed. When people remember you, when you remember this person, people are going to rejoice and say, thank God they left a godly legacy. Amen. Amen. So here are the, um, my 12 ways or 12 steps of leaving. This is not all inclusive, but this, these are some of the steps, some of the things that you need to do to build a godly legacy. The first one is um, uh, building a legacy of the faith, a legacy of the faith. Legacy of the faith is in, in a legacy of having faith in God. In order to build a godly legacy, you must place your faith in Christ for your own salvation as well as believe God and walk by faith daily. So let's look at a couple of scriptures. Go with me to Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. So you want to leave a legacy that you have faith in God. You know, uh, you want to have faith in God, faith for salvation and faith that God is going to protect you and provide for you. All right. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. When you got it, say Amen. First Timothy chapter six, verse 11. It says, "But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made." the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So here, Paul is exhorting this young man of God to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. So we need to pursue our faith. Pursue it with all our hearts. So if you want to leave the le- a legacy of the faith, you got to pursue the faith. That means you got to know what the faith is. Jude, chapter, Jude verse 3 says, contend for the faith which was del- once delivered to the saints of old. So we got to contend for the faith. We got to know what the faith is. We got to, even the scripture that we read earlier, Hebrew, um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. So we got to teach about the oneness of God. We got to teach about the triune God and teach about the love of God with all our heart, soul, and mind. So this is part of leaving a legacy of the faith. Is, is to understand what the faith is and to pursue the faith with all your heart. Fight the good fight of faith. Have faith in God daily. Believe God for everything that you need. Amen. That's what you want to leave behind. Amen. Number two, you want to leave a legacy, or build, you build a godly legacy by having a legacy of wisdom. A legacy of wisdom. That means making wise choices. Wisdom is knowing what to do with knowledge and understanding. Knowledge is the what, understanding is the why, and wisdom is the how and the when. 
So you want to know, you want to make wise choices. See, some fathers are making um, wrong choices all the time. It shouldn't take you 40, 50 years in making wrong choices. You know, you should get it right sometimes. I'm not saying you got to get it right 100%, but you should have wisdom. The wisdom that is from above. Wisdom is knowing what to do with that knowledge and understanding. So part of that is part of increasing your knowledge base. Increasing your knowledge. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Increasing your understanding. James chapter 1 verses 5 through 7 talks about if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who abraseth not but give it to all liberally. And so we need to pray as men. We need to pray for wisdom. Cry out to God for wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2 talks about crowd for God, cry out to God for wisdom. Proverbs 4 verse 7 says, get wisdom and all you're getting, get understanding. So we are called to get wisdom, to know what wisdom is. And we know wisdom is part of the word of God. The Bible talks about that how the word of God gives us wisdom for salvation. So we need wisdom concerning the faith. We need wisdom concerning money. We need wisdom concerning life. And so we need to cry out for that. My next, next point is this. Next key is um, leaving a legacy, uh, building a godly legacy by having family worship or family devotion. Um, again, going back to the scripture, um, Chaz read earlier, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, um, talks about having quiet times with the Lord yourself. So before you can even be, lead family worship, you yourself must be in the word. You yourself must have a prayer life. And then you let that spill over into your family life. Family worship. The Puritans back in the day used to, um, in order to train an elder, one of the things that they looked at is if the elder was leading family worship. If the elder was not leading family worship, then they were disqualified. Another thing that they did was um, when they would have, um, when a married couple, when they first got married, they would go over, the pastor would go over to the house, sit down with the husband, and teach them how to lead family worship. How many know we need that back today? We, we very few, we, I taught at um, a youth ministry a couple of weeks ago, and I raised, I asked the question, how many of y'all have family worship or a Bible study, a prayer at your house? And, and it was like three or four hands out of a couple hundred. That's a shame. We, we have to restore this. We have to see, little, our homes are like little churches, you know, and the, the man is the, the pastor of that church, of that home. So every father is called to pastor their home. Whether they have a calling for the fivefold ministry or not, they're called to pastor their wives, pastor their children. So this is, this is something that God expects of us. Let's go to that scripture that we read earlier, Durham chapter 6. A legacy of family worship. You think about Joshua. Joshua talks about how, as far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Family worship is important. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your, what? Children. 
And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. And it, this speaks of just everyday life, preaching and teaching the word of God, discussing the word of God with your children. That's, that's the legacy of family worship. Bible reading and studying. We, we, um, being a man given to the word. If you're not in the Bible, then how can you expect your kids to be reading the Bible? Prayer, leading and modeling prayer in your home and in your church. Being a man of prayer, you must stay in daily contact with God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says to pray without ceasing. Luke 18, verse 1 says, men should always pray and faint not. I remember growing up hearing my dad pray and pray um, with tears in his eyes. Um, seeing that daily. Seeing, hearing his, him cry out to God for the children. That's the legacy we want to leave for our children. That's how you build a godly legacy. How I many remember your father praying? Can, remember hearing your father praying while growing up? That's a legacy that we need to hear. You know, it's one thing for um, children to grow up hearing their father and their mother argue. But how much more should we let our children hear us pray? Prayer is important. I, I remember um, a spiritual mother, Mother Gussie, she prayed with her children, and her children never forgot it. She would get up in the middle of the night and pray. Sometimes God will have her, wake her up, and she will pray. And this is the legacy that we need to leave for our children, a legacy of prayer. They hear us praying, and then we pray with them. Even after we discipline them, we should pray with them. We should call for them to repent. Don't, don't just whip them. <laughs> whip them and pray with them. <laughs> some people want to just pray with them, but some people need to be whipped. Some children need to be whipped and prayed with. So we want to have the balance. <laughs> I just going to pray with them. You know, no, pray with them and whip them. I'm going to cast the devil out. Well, you still got to whip them. Um, all right. So a legacy, also part of having um, a legacy of family worship is fasting. Fasting reveals self-control. We're called to be self-controlled as believers, especially as fathers. Our kids need to see us living a fasted life. Matthew chapter 6 says when we fast, it's not letting us know that we are, you know, it's an option, but it's when we fast. <laughs> Jesus says when you fast. Now, as you can see, I, I, I fall short <laughs> of the glory of God in this area. Um, but it's all good. God is working on me. Um, it was a point, one point I was fasting a lot, but uh, I haven't fasted really a long time. But, um, but thank God for his grace. <laughs> Moving right along. Um, um, part of this family worship is praise and worship. We need to bring forth God's praises as men. Our children should see us lift up our hands without wrath or doubting. That's First Timothy 1 Timothy chapter 2, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, no, sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8 talks about um, men, I pray that everyone, that men lift up their hands, their, lift up their holy hands when they pray. So our children need to see us lifting up our hands at home and in church. Amen? 
Um, our, some, some children see their fathers lift up their hands to hit their mother. This is why Paul says, I pray everywhere that men lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. And so we are called as men to lift up our hands, both at home and at the church in front of our kids, because they will imitate us. Amen. And then we, they need to hear us speak well of the Lord, bring forth his praises with our lips. Hebrews 13 verse 15 talks about we're called to offer up sacrifices of praises to the Lord. So they should hear us speak well of the Lord, not to speak negative of the Lord, not to call what is evil and, and, and um, accredit that to the Lord. They should hear us speak well of the Lord. Well, I'll just praise internally. You know, some people say that. Are you really praising internally? The word praise means to speak well of. And so some men are intimidated when it comes to lifting up their hands and closing their eyes. Like, wait a minute. I remember growing up, being a teenager, like, I was kind of scared. Like, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's like saying grace at school. Oh, Lord, drop a napkin. Thank you, Lord. Bless you. You, know, you, you, you don't want to be, you want to, hey, I need help. You know, I, Lord, I look to you. It's like surrender. You know, you get pulled up by the cops, you lift up your hands. <laughs> you know, and Lord, I, I, if, you, if you're in school, you, you raise a hand because, you, you know, you, you, you have a question. You know, you're looking. So you, it's, a, it's a sign of surrender. I surrender to you, Lord. I, your, our children need to see us do that. Then our children need to see us be um, a witness, um, telling others about the goodness of God. They need to see that, see us witnessing to the loss. That's part of that le legacy of family worship. I remember going on the streets of um, Trenton with my father as he witnessed to people. I would see him talk to drug dealers, where I, whereas I was scared and timid. He was talking to the drug dealers up in their, faith, in their face with the gospel. I'm like, whoa, you're a man of God. <laughs> I'm like, no one would do that. And he knew who he was, and he knew who God was, is. And so he was confident in his witness. He was witnessing. And our children need to see their fathers witnessing to others. How can we expect them to witness to their friends when we don't witness to ours? And then last, under the legacy of family worship, is giving. Our children need to see us model a lifestyle of giving. Givers are worshipers. If you show me a giver, I'll show you a worshiper. Abraham is an example. He was offering up Isaac to the Lord. That's worship. He was giving his only son, biological son, <laughs> to the Lord. Acts 20 verse 35 says we're more blessed if we give. And so don't talk about Jesus at the, at the uh, restaurant and don't live, leave a tip. They need to see us worship the Lord in giving, not only in church, but outside of the church. We need to be givers of our resources, of the resources that God has placed us um, stewards over, giving to the, the waiter and waitress, even if they have bad service. So I'm going to give her, I'm going to bless them anyway. Now that's a challenge for all of us, but Okay, let's move, 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 let's move on. Um, a legacy of spirit-led living. A legacy of spirit-led living. As fathers, we're called to be led by God. Our children need to know that we can hear from God and we can be led by him in our daily lives. 
As God leads us, then we can lead our families. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says, follow me as I follow Christ. So as I follow Christ, um, my children should follow us. Our wives should follow us. My next point of building a godly legacy is a legacy of hard work. Hard work. Let's go to a couple of scriptures for this. Go to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. Proverbs 10, verse 4 says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So we should leave a legacy, a build a godly legacy through a legacy of hard work. Let's continue. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. It says, whatever your hand find, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there's no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in hell, shalom, to which you are going, or to the grave to the grave. So whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, with all your might. And so here again, speaking of hard work. Now, let me show you this other scripture. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Well, let's look at verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So we can give opportunity to the devil. We can. Have you ever been used by the devil? <laughs> oh, y'all, y'all, oh, man, y'all blessed. <laughs> 28. Let the thief... No longer steal, but whether let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So God calls us to work so we can give to others in need. We got to leave a legacy of hard work. The scripture says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. God will use hunger to motivate a man to work. Because work does something for the man. It instills discipline within the man. We, I think today we have some lazy men or lazy males who are not working. They don't know how to keep a job. They can keep a job for a day or two, a week, but there's something missing in that man that was not instilled by their parents. Sometimes the parents have done all they could do, so it's not necessarily the parents' fault, but every man is called to work. Amen. Amen. And so we're called to work with our hands, make an honest living. Selling drugs is not an honest living. The Bible, I mean, you're actually causing other people to be destroyed. You can't be blessed with that. There's a curse on that person that does that. Um, so we're called to work with our hands. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be manual work. It's just speaking of working. It could be, you know, you can work with a computer, 
right? <laughs> you can work at a bank. You can work teaching. So I'm not talking about manual, like, you know, in the warehouse. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily, but working in the sense of being able to put your God-given abilities to work. Um, another scripture talks about that. It's Colossians 3.23. says, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. That spills into the next legacy of building, uh, how to building a godly legacy is um, a legacy of diligence. We are to be diligent in our service to the Lord in our everyday life. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. For without faith it is impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is who he says he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently Seek him. So we're called to be diligent in our faith. Um, diligent speaks of consistency, being consistent, uh, being a person of our word. The next part, um, how to build a godly legacy, is a legacy of reading. A legacy of reading. Reading is the calling of every Christian. Did you hear me? Reading is the calling of every Christian. Amen. If you don't read, how can you know God? Now, if you can't read, you know, they have audio books and, and audio, um, um, the Bible, and CD, and MP3, and so forth. But you should learn how to read. We've been blessed to be in a country where we have access to some teachers who can teach us, whereas in other parts of the world, they don't. Um, 66% of the world who are females, 66% of women in the world can't read. And some of them are living in some suppressed and oppressed um, um, societies where they're forbidden to learn. Mm-hmm. But thank God we're in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, a legacy of reading. Reading is the calling of every Christian. We're called to read the Bible and, as well as other books. Reading is essential. We should leave a, a library behind for our children to have. We should be selective in the books that we buy, knowing that our children will probably read them after us. We want to buy good books, books that will provoke thinking, healthy living, and holy living. Let's move on. A legacy of holiness. Um, We're called to be holy before the Lord and before our children. So we are going to set up a legacy of holiness, living for God. We're called to be an example, a pattern for which our children to follow. We're called to leave landmarks that we were men of God who lived for God. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter four. Verse eight. It says, for while bodily training is of some value, Godliness is of value in every way, as it, hold promise, as, as, it, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So we're to live godly. Godliness is profitable, both in this life and in the life to come. So we're to live for God. That's the legacy of holiness. God is concerned about our sanctification, our minds, our actions, our words, we're to live holy before the Lord. So this is, a, this is how we build a godly legacy, a legacy of holiness. The next part is um, 
I got two more, three more. A legacy of healthy relationships. A legacy of healthy relationships. Matthew 22, verse 37 says, To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we love God. That's a healthy relationship. We love ourselves in light of loving God. That's a healthy relationship. It's, we need to love ourselves. You, you know, it says to take care of your wives as you, you will take care of yourself. And you can't love your neighbor properly without loving yourself. So you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so then the next part is to love your neighbor. So we love God, and as a result of loving God, we can love ourselves properly. And as we love ourselves properly, we can love our neighbors properly. That's healthy, healthy love for self. Um, and then Ephesians chapter 5, go over to Ephesians chapter 5. Is this blessing you? Is this helping you out? Preparing some of the fathers to be, um, to leave a godly legacy? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, I mean 23. I'm sorry, no. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Okay, so one relationship that our children need to see us really live healthy is that our relationship with our wives. The way we treat our wives is the way our sons will treat their wives and the way our daughters will expect to be treated. And so our relationship with our wives are important to our children. I remember talking to someone recently who was, um, um, they ended up getting a divorce, but they were um, say, I don't know, should I, should I stay, should I, you know, or should I leave? I really want a divorce, I just want out. And I said, stay for the glory of God and stay for the sake of your children. Don't leave and don't divorce for the sake of God, for the glory of God, and for the sake of your children. They both cheated on each other. So now y'all need some help, y'all need some professional counseling, or some, definitely some biblical counseling, but stay for the glory of God and stay for the sake of your children. We, we don't, I mean, the, the, um, the consequences of a divorce is, weighs heavy on the children. And so stay for the glory of God and stay for the sake of the children. Of course, for the sake of, you know, repairing stuff. But I'm saying, thinking about those things. So our, our relationships with our wives um, is how our children are going to react to their spouses. Then go, it goes on, it talks about Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So... Another healthy relationship is how we relate to our children. We're not to provoke them to anger, you know, just be, to aggravate them. Like, I'm going to get you, boy. <laughs> you know, just to aggravate. You don't want to provoke your children to anger. And so that's important. That's leaving a legacy of healthy relationship. And then it goes on, verse 7. Let's look at verse 7. 
Um, it says this, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to men. So the way we deal with our employers, having a healthy relationship. Healthy relationships are necessary in order to build a godly legacy. How we deal with people is how our children will learn how to deal with people. We don't want to leave a legacy of gossiping and unresolved relationships, if possible. My next point is a legacy of strength. Ephesians 6.10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Fathers need to display strength. Fathers are the foundations of their homes. Christ is the head of the man, therefore man is a reflection of Christ, and Christ is not wimpy. He's strong. So men, we're fathers, we're called to be strong and not weak and wimpy. Amen. Um, not be a punk, not be soft. Um, I'm not talking about being macho like what, the, what um, television and society display, but to be strong because meekness is strength, strength under control. You can be humble and yet strong. You can be meek and yet strong. You don't have to always vocalize what, you, what you're thinking about, but yet be strong. Be in self-control of your emotions, EQ, be in control of your mouth. Be in control of your mind. Don't let your mind wander off. You know, take authority over your mind and develop powers of concentration. In prayer, you're not thinking about what you're going to do after you finish praying. And when somebody's talking, you're thinking about what they're saying and not thinking about what you're going to say when they get finished. Developing this type of strength. Strength and weakness. Knowing that when you, your strength is gone, his strength is available. When we're weak, he is strong. In times of weakness, in times of failure, God will give us strength to stand in his presence and to stand before our children. We may not know all the answers. We may be going through. You may go through while leading your family, but you will be in the strength of the Lord. Standing, having done all to stand, to stand therefore, even when you don't know what's the next move, God will give you strength by His Spirit, and you'll be able to be a strength, a standard for your children. You act like you know what's going on. You act like you know who holds your tomorrow, even in the midst of your confusion. Amen. The next one is a, a legacy. I got two more. <laughs> A legacy of faithfulness, faithfulness to the Lord and faithfulness to our wives. Yeah. You don't want to leave a legacy. You, uh, some families, you see fathers um, committing adultery, then their sons commit adultery. Yeah. You know, you just see, it's, it's, you know, some people want to say, it's a, that's a generational curse. No, it's a, it's a pattern that they're following because they saw that model before them. Faithfulness to their children and faithfulness to their jobs. Being a person of your word, keeping your word even to your own hurt. That, that's what is leaving a legacy of faithfulness. A legacy of never walking away when things get tough. Some men, they walk away, they lead their children, they lead their families. But leave a legacy of never walking away. I refuse to walk away. I can be going through hell. My wife could be upset at me and wanting to kill me, but I will not walk away. 
I meant what I said when I say to death do us part. I'm not going to walk away when she is sick. I'm not going to walk away when she's mad. And when she cannot articulate because of some kind of disease, I will stand and be with her until death do us, do us part. And I will be there for my children, whether they're saved or unsaved, whether they're walking with God or whether they're in drugs, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be the standard of faithfulness by the grace of God. Amen. My last part is a legacy of wealth. A legacy of wealth. Building a godly legacy is leaving an inheritance for your children, children. Let's look at some scripture. Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13, verse 22. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. I want to submit to you this day that we should be as men and future fathers for those who are not fathers and as fathers for those who are fathers, building wealth for generations to come. This pleases God. God doesn't want you to leave behind bills and unpaid debt but a financial blessing. This is what fathers are called to do, leaving a legacy of wealth, financial wealth, not just spiritual. I'm talking about money, 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 money. I, I, this is not a prosperity message, but this is a message, a call to leave a legacy of wealth, building wealth for your children. We want our children to do better than us. And so we want to leave behind. We ourselves must know something about money. We ourselves must be people who are saving and, and storing up. But at the same time, we must teach our children at a young age. Whatever we didn't get, make sure they get it. Amen. And I have four points. How to build a godly legacy? Taking the legacy. One is walk, walking with God. Two is dream big dreams. Three, write your vision for a godly legacy. And four, build a godly legacy every day. Let me say it again. One is walking with God. This is the application of this. Walking with God. Two, dream big dreams. Three, write your vision for a godly legacy. And this applies to mothers as well. And build a godly legacy every day. Every day you should be working on your godly legacy. Every day you walk, you're working on, on, on increasing your knowledge base. Every day you're walking on, uh, working on healthy relationships. Every day you, you're working on saving money for your children, um, storing up, um, building wealth for them. That's what rich people do. They, they, you know, they save up for their children, and their children walk in that same same calling, if I can call, call it. They pick up where their, their, their um, parents left off. If we are in debt and leave that to our children, then most likely they'll be in debt. So we don't want to have that. We want to do better. Despite what we didn't get. Some people are always like, I didn't get this. I didn't get that. Well, okay, now make yourself better. You know, we should all strive. Listen to this. This is something 
it's not biblical, just my opinion, but we should all strive to be millionaires. Not so much for just the millions, I heard, I got this from Jerome, but what we will become as a result of it. More discipline. For the glory of God, of course. You know, I'm a millionaire and you don't see you at church. <laughs> don't want that to happen. You know, everybody can't handle that. But God, God wants you to be blessed. You know, read Deuteronomy 28. You're blessing the city, blessing the field. He wants you to enjoy what this world has. But he doesn't want this world to have you. And that's the point. That's the missing ingredients in some prosperity messages. But you want to build, you want to leave a legacy of wealth for your children. Say, man, they paid college out of their pockets. If they didn't get a scholarship, you know, you can pay, and then they can have some money to start their life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time and pray for the future fathers and the fathers that are hearing this, that you would um, give us wisdom and guidance. May we leave a godly legacy for our children. In Jesus' name, amen.